Hey there, Rohan. Hope you're ready to dive into some intriguing news today. Absolutely, Jonathan. We're here to gear you up with everything you need to know, wherever your day takes you. And with that, let's get started. First up, Apple's ambitious venture into the automotive industry has come to a surprising halt. The tech giant has decided to park its autonomous electric car project, known as Project Titan, and is now steering towards generative AI. This shift isn't just about changing lanes in innovation, but has also led to job losses and internal shakeups for those who were part of this dream project. Apple's history is dotted with projects that never saw the light of day. From wireless charging mats to ultra-high-definition televisions, Project Titan joins this list of Kudav beans. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Welcome to Rohan's News from PocketPod News. Moving over to Europe, where the digital landscape might be getting a major overhaul. The European Commission has its eyes on Elon Musk's X social media platform, along with TikTok owner ByteDance and Booking.com. These companies might soon find themselves under the strict regulations of the Digital Markets Act due to their massive user base and significant market capitalization. It's all about keeping the digital marketplace fair and open. But will these giants comply? Lastly, let's look at a global perspective where negotiators at a World Trade Organization meeting in the United Arab Emirates wrapped up discussions earlier than expected. Major initiatives on fishing and agriculture remained on the table without agreement. The only consensus reached was an extension on taxes for digital media until their next meetup. With elections looming in various parts of the world and ongoing disputes over trade practices, it seems global trade is sailing through turbulent waters. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to PocketPod.app to join the waitlist. Apple is known for its groundbreaking products like the iPhone and the MacBook, but not every Apple project sees the light of day. That's right. From autonomous cars to wireless charging mats, Apple has had its share of ambitious projects that were eventually abandoned. The most recent is Project Titan, Apple's attempt at entering the automotive industry with an electric car. But it's not just about cars. There's a whole list of products we never got to see, like air power, a high-definition TV set, and even several tablet prototypes predating the iPad. It's fascinating to think about what could have been and how these projects reflect on Apple's strategy and focus areas. To dive deeper into this topic, we're joined by PocketPod News technology analyst Katrina Shelton. Katrina, let's start with Project Titan. Since 2014, there was so much buzz about it. What happened? Absolutely, Steve. Um, Project Titan was indeed a significant venture for Apple, signaling its ambitious entry into the automotive industry with an autonomous electric car. The project, which started in 2014, was surrounded by high expectations and speculation. However, it hit a dead end when Apple decided to cancel the project. This decision wasn't taken lightly. It resulted in job losses and saw many employees being transferred to other divisions within Apple. Uh, the cancellation is particularly noteworthy as it signals a pivot in focus towards generative AI technology, indicating perhaps a strategic relignment with emerging tech trends rather than continuing with the highly competitive and um, capital-intensive automotive sector. That's quite a shift. Moving on to air power, this was another project that got everyone excited but then disappeared. What went wrong there? AirPower was indeed an ambitious product that aimed to revolutionize wireless charging by allowing up to three devices to charge simultaneously using the Qi standard. Announced in 2017 with much fanfare, it ran into significant technical hurdles that ultimately led to its cancellation in 2019. 
These hurdles were primarily related to meeting Apple's stringent standards for performance and quality. In place of AirPower, Apple launched the MagSafe Duo in 2020, which charges two devices at once but doesn't quite capture the original vision of AirPower. It seems like there's a pattern of ambitious projects not making it to market. What about the ultra-high-definition TV set? That's right, Steve. The ultra-high-definition TV set is another example where Apple explored an opportunity but eventually decided not to proceed, despite widespread anticipation and rumors circulating since 2011 that suggested Apple would enter the television market with a groundbreaking product. The project never materialized into a consumer product. Uh, Similar to Project Titan, this venture was never officially acknowledged by Apple before its abandonment. And there were also several tablet prototypes before we ever got the iPad, right? Indeed, Steve. Long before the iPad became a household name, Apple experimented with various tablet concepts, including Vadamecum and Message Slate back in the 90s, and even Penlight around the same time as WALT, which was an early telephone Mac prototype featuring touchscreen capabilities well ahead of its time. These projects were ultimately shelved due to various reasons from market readiness concerns, believing there was no market for a tablet computer at that time to strategic decisions favoring other products like MessagePad over MessageSlate. It's incredible how many ideas have been explored behind Apple's closed doors. Absolutely, Steve. What these abandoned projects highlight is not just missed opportunities or failures, but rather Apple's relentless pursuit of innovation and perfection. Even when projects like Project Titan or AirPower are canceled, they reflect a company that's willing to explore new frontiers, but also strict enough to only bring products to market uh, that meet their high standards, um, even if that means making tough decisions along their journey of innovation. Truly fascinating insights into what drives one of the world's most innovative companies. Thanks for delving into these canceled projects with us today. My pleasure, Steve. Always interesting discussing how companies like Apple navigate their path through innovation. In the world of tech, big names like Elon Musk's ex-social media platform, TikTok's parent company ByteDance, and Booking.com are under the microscope. That's right. The European Commission is zeroing in on these giants, possibly labeling them as gatekeepers under the new Digital Markets Act. This tag could usher in sweeping changes to how they operate, all in the name of fostering competition and offering users more choices. But what does it mean to be a gatekeeper, and why are companies like ByteDance pushing back against this classification? For a deeper dive into this complex issue, we're joined by PocketPod News international politics correspondent Mallory Hessel. Mallory, these regulations sound like they could really shake things up. Absolutely, Jonathan. Being classified as a gatekeeper under the Digital Markets Act, or DMA, is a significant development for any tech company. The DMA sets specific criteria to identify these gatekeepers, focusing primarily on companies with a substantial user base and market cap. Specifically, companies with more than 45 million monthly active users and 75 billion euros in market capitalization are subject to this scrutiny. The intention here is quite clear, to ensure that the digital market remains fair by preventing dominant platforms from leveraging their position in ways that could harm competition and limit user choices. That sounds like a rigorous evaluation process. Can you elaborate on what it means for companies once they're designated as gatekeepers? Of course. Once a company is officially designated as a gatekeeper, it has to adhere to several obligations aimed at fostering competition and enhancing user choice. For instance, these obligations include making messaging apps interoperable with those of competitors and allowing users more freedom in their software installation choices. 
These measures are designed to break down the barriers that large platforms might erect to stifle competition and restrict consumer options. It's worth noting that these new obligations for gatekeepers will start from March 7th. Interesting. And how does the European Commission go about deciding which companies are classified as gatekeepers? The process involves a 45 working day review period where the European Commission decides on the gatekeeper status of companies after they've notified their qualifications under the DMA. This review includes assessing any arguments the companies might present against being designated as gatekeepers. It's a comprehensive process aimed at ensuring fairness in classification. ByteDance has been notably resistant to its designation as a gatekeeper. What can you tell us about that? That's right, Jonathan. ByteDance was labeled as a gatekeeper back in July of last year, but has since contested this designation at Europe's second-highest court. This legal challenge underscores the company's concerns over what being classified as a gatekeeper entails under the DMA regulations, potentially reflecting broader worries about operational constraints and regulatory compliance costs. And what about Booking.com? How are they handling their potential classification? Booking.com seems to have anticipated falling into this category due to an increase in its user base, reflecting how companies are adjusting their expectations and strategies in anticipation of regulatory changes under the DMA. This proactive stance highlights how significant players in the tech industry are closely monitoring these developments and preparing for potential impacts on their operations. It sounds like there's quite a bit at stake here for these major tech platforms. Indeed there is, Jonathan. The European Commission's scrutiny under the Digital Markets Act signifies an important step towards ensuring fair competition and protecting consumer choices in the digital marketplace. As we watch how companies like Elon Musk's ex-social media platform, ByteDance and Booking.com navigate these potential designations, as well as the broader implications for the tech industry, it's clear that this regulatory effort could set precedents shaping future landscapes of digital markets. Thanks for breaking all of that down for us today, Mallory. You're welcome, Jonathan. Always happy to discuss these complex issues with our listeners. The World Trade Organization's recent meeting in the United Arab Emirates didn't quite go as many had hoped. Indeed, the summit wrapped up early without consensus on critical issues like fishing and agriculture. It seems global uncertainties and geopolitical tensions are making these negotiations tougher than ever. One silver lining, though, was the agreement to extend a pause on taxes for digital media, a rare point of unity in an otherwise divided forum. And with elections looming in key countries, including a pivotal one in the United States, the future of global trade is hanging in the balance. To help us unpack all of this, we're joined by Pocket Pod News international political correspondent Sarah Rogers. Sarah, how significant were these missed opportunities at the WTO summit? Jonathan, the outcomes, or rather the lack thereof, from this WTO summit are indeed significant. The failure to reach consensus on critical issues like fishing and agriculture not only showcases the complexities of international trade negotiations, but also points to deeper systemic issues within the WTO framework. With 166 nations involved, achieving unanimous decisions is a monumental task, especially when national interests and priorities differ so vastly. You mentioned systemic issues within the WTO. Could you delve a bit deeper into what this implies for global trade? Absolutely. 
The World Trade Organization has historically been a platform where nations could negotiate trade policies and resolve disputes amicably. However, as we've seen in Abu Dhabi, the increasing polarization and geopolitical tensions make it challenging to find common ground. This division isn't just about fishing rights or agricultural subsidies, but reflects broader disagreements over how global trade should be conducted in an era of digital economies and shifting power balances. Speaking of digital economies, I understand there was at least one agreement reached regarding the extension of a tax pause on digital media. How important is this decision? It's a significant, albeit small, victory for global trade negotiations. By agreeing to extend the pause on taxes for digital media until their next biennial meeting, WTO members have acknowledged the importance of fostering an environment conducive to digital trade growth. However, it also highlights how navigating traditional trade frameworks in our rapidly evolving digital world remains a challenge. And how do global uncertainties factor into these discussions? Director General Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala's comments about global uncertainties affecting trade discussions are very telling. From disruptions in the Red Sea caused by Yemen's Houthi rebels to broader international conflicts, these external pressures add another layer of complexity to negotiations that already have high stakes. It emphasizes how interlinked our global challenges are, from security issues to economic policies. With U.S. elections looming and potential shifts in policy on the horizon, what could be the implications for international trade? The upcoming U.S. presidential election is a pivotal moment for global trade relations. A potential re-election of Donald Trump could introduce significant volatility, given his previous stance on tariffs and threats to withdraw from the WTO altogether. These elections underscore not just American domestic policy shifts, but also signal potential changes in how one of the world's largest economies engages with other nations on trade issues. Lastly, let's touch upon China's role within this dynamic. There seems to be ongoing contention regarding its classification as a developing country. That's correct, Jonathan. Since China's accession to the WTO in 2001, there have been growing concerns among other member nations, particularly the United States, over its classification as a developing country. This status affords China certain benefits that some argue give it an unfair advantage in market access, technology transfer practices, and dumping cheap products into global markets. This issue is emblematic of larger tensions between major economies trying to navigate an equitable path forward in international trade. It sounds like there's much at stake as we navigate these complex waters of international relations and trade agreements. Thank you for offering such clear insights today. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's crucial we continue these conversations as we grapple with shaping a fairer global trading system amidst such turbulent times. That was PocketPod News International political correspondent Sarah Rogers. Thanks for joining us today. And that's Rohan's News for Sunday, March 3rd, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Rohan. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. 
This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app. 